umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer on the last episode of the umgoblue.com michigan football spectacular on the brink of an epic failure versus penn state aiden hutchinson described how the defense stood up to preserve the team's goals for the season. Felt like everything was going against us in that moment. Um, you know, they got the tud, two point, stopped us, strip sack, and um, you know we kind of just came together as a defense. And um, you know, we're not going to let that uh, ruin our our hopes in the championship. With Blake Corum out with an injury, Eric All described what it was like to watch Hassan Haskins carry the ball. He's just an animal. Remember one play. It was like he got the ball like like a lot a lot of times. And um I ended up on the ground on my back. I see H two, he's helping me up. <laughs> I'm like, this man's just an animal. Jim Harbaugh on the character of the team, in the locker room and on the sideline. And you know that uh you confident that it'll be you that steps up, you know, if it uh when it's your time to do that, you know. You know, what if it comes down to uh, you know, Josh Gaddis making the making the winning call. You know, what if it comes down to Mike Mike McDonald have to, having to make? Are they going to be ready? Yeah, we 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 all are really confident that they're going to be ready. You know, you know if it's Eric All who gets thrown, the we're, we're we know what's going to happen. You know, he's going to he's going to make it. These guys are just uh, um, you know they're really they've really trained for this and uh, and they believe in each other. They believe in their ball team. How about those Wolverines? That's not great. I don't know what it is. And how a comeback victory versus Penn State and a huge road win versus Maryland has set the team up for all of its season's goals. All the things that the guys have done, the coaches have done, um, you know, it's put us in this uh, position. That's the position we wanted to be in. Um, and, and we want to finish it. We want to, we want to win all the marbles. Next, on the umgoblue.com, Michigan Football Spectacular, Episode 6, Champions of the West. All right, so it's the game. Michigan has dispatched Maryland in just a thumping, 59-18. to 18, And everything is gearing up for the game. So, um, in the pregame... I really love this quote from Harbaugh where he acknowledged how important this game is. Both teams uh, have a lot on the line. Um, it's, a, it's a true playoff in that sense. In the, in the college football playoff world, I mean, this is, this is the start of the playoffs. Um, you know, the team that wins will advance. Uh, the team that doesn't won't. So, um, you know, it's got... It is that, uh, and it's also, you know, the big game, the game, the rivalry. Yeah, we prepare for it like it is the game. What does that include? Everything I talked about earlier, uh, the rivalry and the it's a playoff game. The, the winner gets to keep playing, and the loser does not. Channeling Bo and Woody, you know, blocking and tackling. Uh, the game will, in large part, come down to it. 
you got to channel Bo. You got to channel the uh, the blocking and the tackling, uh, sustaining blocks, uh, getting off blocks, and uh, making tackles. So blocking and tackling. And you know, pretty much all season, we're hearing the play them one game at a time and the nameless, faceless opponents. And this game, all that kind of falls away. And, you know, not only does he, you know, admit that or, or basically say that this is the, the real beginning of the playoffs, but, you know, they're going to be really channeling old school, falling, you know, falling back on, um, you know, the tradition and the rivalry and how important this game. Um, he also mentions that they've been doing some special preparation for Ohio State. Um, Jim, can you describe the Ohio drill to us more or less and how that came about and how much you hope it helps you on Saturday? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a run drill. It's a run, run drill and a run-stopping drill. Uh, all runs, all runs are between the tackles um, and it's physicality, uh, emphasis, and emphasis on how on Ohio State and keeping them on our minds on a, uh, every, every day of practice. When did you start that? Uh, first day of spring. Ross talking about, you know, the rumors about if Michigan ducked last year. As far as last year? Yeah. It's BS, to be honest with you. That's the game we always got second on our calendar and always want to play. And as a Michigan Wolverine, that's a, that's a game you'd die for. Um, so... Honestly, BS, and it doesn't matter. This year is what matters, and right now is what matters. Plays into the whole Ryan Day saying that they wanted to drop 100 on him last year. And, Clint, I don't know about you, but from the people I know who are Ohio State fans who who are generally good-natured about the rivalry, I know I, I heard some cracks last year. Michigan was doing everything they could to cancel that game and, and the crack I heard is that, uh, you know, the team was licking doorknobs, hoping to pick up COVID somewhere. And, and you kind of laugh about it, but it, but it really kind of, it rubbed me wrong. Well, coming off the Maryland game, seeing really the offense click on all cylinders, uh, the defense kind of corrected some issues that we saw in the, the middle of the Big Ten season. So all the reasons for optimism were there. Uh, you and I, in years past, have been somewhat optimistic and then really, you know, sorely disappointed in previous Ohio State games. So it wasn't too hard for, for you and I to to be optimistic going into this game. Um, Ohio State had struggled um, somewhat, right, As for, for the juggernaut that they had been. They had struggled a little bit on defense. They had shown uh, kind of a propensity to give up uh, – you know, yardage on the ground. And then, you know, when Michigan was really dropping the hammer on Maryland, Ohio State just absolutely drops a bomb on Sparty, right? And wasn't even close. Kenneth Walker never got going. And all the optimism, just thinking about Michigan and their positive performances, was kind of tamped down a little bit by, oh, I, I think the Buckeyes figured it out. You know, like the... They were herky-jerky throughout the season. They really looked poor early in the season and, and in the loss to Oregon um, on September 11th when Michigan was playing Washington. But, man, when they really 
really blew Sparty out of the water in Columbus, there was still an ominous feeling that this team could uh, could click into high gear, and regardless of how well Michigan's defense played, um, they might still be putting up might be a race to 50 is kind of how it felt. And uh, it was, it's hard to pick Michigan to win uh, an offensive track meet, you know, with, with what we knew the Buckeyes were bringing into town with those, all those receivers and uh, a Heisman contender quarterback and uh, you know, Travion um, Henderson and backfield. So it was, it was, Let's see what's going to happen. You know, there's no reason to believe that you cannot win going into that game. But uh, the Buckeyes looked like they had clicked into gear right at the right time. And, and there was a, a, a little bit of trepidation about, oh, boy, you know, we, we might be in for it again because Ohio State is always always puts their best foot forward in this game and Michigan doesn't necessarily always. I had a really good feeling about this game. And in a weird bit of really bad luck, I was diagnosed with COVID. And the and this was, you know, this was Thanksgiving week. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I had some intermittent COVID tests. One said I did, one said I didn't, right? So wanting to do the right thing, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, I went and got my PCR test. And the PCR test came in. Saturday morning at 5.30 a.m., I really didn't think I had COVID. I was in full preparation mode for the game, and then I found out that I did have COVID. And I just thought, I go, you know what? This does it. I go, I'm going to miss this huge win. And that's that's how it played out. You know, it was weird. Um, it actually kind of calmed me for the game because I was kind of detached from it. You know, I wasn't at the stadium and I just had a feeling, even watching the preparation online, you could, you know, again, there was there were flurries, it was cold. And even from the preparation that you saw on TV, and I, and I heard this echoed from people who were at the game, Ohio State just looked uncomfortable coming out. Y- you know, it's easy to say that in retrospect, but I just felt, you know, the closer we got to game time, the more confident that I was. And... Boy, I'm glad I got to watch it on TV. Again, it's a first world problem that, you know, I, I I had to only watch it on TV. But to know what was happening at the stadium only, you know, a few miles from where I live and to have to watch it on television, just what a momentous moment. And, you know, Clint, you and I have talked about this, you know, as the younger fans come up, you know, you and I each have individual memories of huge Michigan wins, right? Of the kind of win where you just realize and, and just glory in being a Michigan fan. And this was that kind of win that, you know, when you see the fans on the field and you, you see the fans tweeting and just the, the utter joy among the fan base, it was really nice to see this kind of um, – epoch defining win and it's been so long since michigan has beaten ohio state and it was it was just wonderful to see and just wow what what an amazing game yeah and and again the the feeling of 
what's going to be different this year. We've, we've seen this before. We've gotten our hopes up. Kind of a Charlie Brown, Lucy holding, you know, pulling the football away feeling. Um, had really settled in with the fan base. You know, huge, huge portions of the fan base. And you get that, right? I mean, you, you, you can only get punched in the gut so many times before you start to flinch a little bit. But the um, even in the pregame, even in the week leading up, you know, hearing uh, just the raw emotion coming out of Josh Ross about, you know, did Michigan duck the game in 2020? You know, he, he didn't laugh and snicker and blow it off. He was angry. He was angry that people were still asking that and still thinking about it. You know, he says that that's what you come to Michigan for is to play in that game, regardless of whether the season's going well or going poorly. You want to play that game, you know, and, and Hutchinson encouraging everybody to wear maize. Hey, Michigan fans, this is Aiden Hutchinson. I'm just here to remind you that you can make a difference this Saturday. Be early, be loud, wear maize, and I just want to make this the loudest and craziest environment that the big house has ever seen. See you there, and go blue. You know, everybody was, was, oh, yeah, but in the November games, nobody's got a maize jacket. Nobody's got a coat that's, you know, the whole thing was, oh, it was a good idea in September for the, night game against Washington, but the, the, the crowd isn't going to have the same energy and, and the, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different thing when the weather gets colder, you know, there was really, you know, everybody had kind of settled in and, and, and braced for, for disappointment. And then, like you said, um, when Ohio state and Michigan were warming up, there was definitely some discomfort from from the Buckeyes, you know, and and you had pointed this out to me in a couple games uh, in Columbus, where Michigan was talking pretty, you know, confidently in the week leading up, but when they came out, they did not look confident. They did not look as if they were were uh, expecting uh, things to go well right away. The the 2018 game definitely comes to to mind um, in Columbus, and I got that feeling right away. From, from the press box, and it was, you know, it was really weird. You know, I, during the games, I like to kind of talk my way through what's going on, and and, and you and I like to discuss back and forth what we think is going to happen, why it's going to happen, you know, where should we watch that, that maybe the TV camera won't be watching, that kind of stuff. And I just went ahead and verbalized all that anyway because I realized how much it helps me to kind of – process what I'm seeing and, and, and think uh, about what's going on and not just grind my teeth with emotion. So when they came out for warmups, I, I remember thinking, man, that the, the quarterback specifically, right? CJ Stroud just did not look comfortable. Looked like he, he, he didn't want to have the ball in his hands, right? Like when he was playing catch, you could tell that he didn't like uh, catching the ball in the cold, right? So somebody, you know, came, Came over, caught the ball for him, which was you know pretty standard for a quarterback. But he just didn't want to have it. He threw it two or three times and and you know, walked away, did something else. It was just did not look like they were chomping at the bit the, the way that I would have expected, you know. And I, I remember telling you via text and 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 texting uh, you know my family and some others in, in your family that you know if if what we saw last week with Michigan bombing Maryland and and Ohio State bombing Michigan State, Michigan State, this could really be a, a high-scoring game, and it might 
be very similar to 2019, where the first team that flinches makes a mistake on offense, um, that might be the difference, right? It might be touchdown, 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 and the first one that can't put a touchdown up might have the problem, right? And I was like, well, you know, let's let's say that the first team that kicks the second field goal, first one that settles for the second field goal probably has a problem. And both things came to be, right? C.J. Stroud comes out and and drops the first, you know, the first snap of the game, first shotgun snap, it, there's problems. And uh, miscommunication with the center, they look like, uh, you know, the bad news bears. And Michigan, you know, comes out, pounding right away scores right away and late in the first half Ohio State settles for their second field goal and Michigan goes in into half uh, with the lead and I said well both both of those things you know where I was trying to be reasonable and objective and take the emotion of the Michigan Ohio State rivalry out of it for myself both of those went Michigan's way Ohio State definitely flinched first and Ohio State kicked, uh, settled for the second field goal. You know, one time is acceptable, but I think in the second one, that was it. And then the second half, Michigan leaves no doubt. Scores every time they touch the ball. Haskins etches his name in stone in the, uh, in the pantheon of the rivalry. And, you know, the, the atmosphere and the crowd and the whole city of Ann Arbor um, responds. It, it was like a dream. It was exactly what uh, what you would expect, and it was, you know, decades of, of pent up frustration and emotion coming out in, in just pure joy and, and love for what that team had accomplished on that day. It was just it was a beautiful scene, and absolutely um, can't change a thing from our perspective to make it any better. Outside of uh, you know having you there in the press box with us. So, obviously, Michigan-Ohio State, everything had been building toward this and a lot of frustration in the past years where Michigan had come up short. What was it like being at the big house for, for this huge game? I'll, uh, I'll start for this one. I, so, me and, me and my buddies, we got there super early, about 6 a.m., um, and did the whole, you know, pioneer experience and the, the ESPN game day and Super cool. The atmosphere was awesome. The buildup. Um, but there's always, you know, still that pregame doom and gloom that we've we, we've had. And I talked to Dell a little bit about it too. And I, I mean, even you know, leading up to us having a good start in in the game, you still felt like, at least I did. I still felt like, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop or some big play or something to swing because. Man, it was it's the morning. You, there's always that calm before the storm, that nervous energy, the, again, the buildup. And then the game started, and it started so well that it was just like, okay. And then even when we threw the interception in the red zone, it was like, okay, well, we still have control of this game. Um, and I, the biggest thing I, for me was the overall atmosphere of the stadium and the weather and, and the, the whole package. So how about, how about you, Dal? My thought was is that we needed a Biakabatuka performance, and Haskins did not disappoint. Uh, Haskins was absolutely incredible that whole day, and 
it was a very awesome game to be at, definitely. That's a that's a very good call, Bianca Patuka, because that just took me back to 95, 96, uh, and that very similar uh, performance of the big house. That was I was only seven or eight years old, but I'll never forget um, running around the neighborhood with a Michigan flag, yelling Tishamanga Bianca Patuka. So that was it. Hassan Askins, he had his game. Um, I thought that it was unrealistic expectations, un- unrealistic to ask it. He scored five touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, I mean, make a statue of him. I mean, way to go! It, it was incredible. It was, it was also kind of a different experience for us. And that, I mean, again, neither of us were taking pictures for this game, but we we do have we've season tickets for in the second row. And um, I'm so used to you guys, you know, three older brothers. One of you is usually in the press box. So, um, we weren't at that game for, for COVID reasons. Um, Dell's usually on the field. Lance is in Georgia, but, uh, it was weird because it was just me and Dell in the seats. And it was like, just had Philip was joking earlier in the day that, um, you know, he was taking one for the team and that him not being there meant we were going to win for sure. And I was like, you know, <laughs> that's, it's too bad for Philip, but if that's the trade we got to take, uh, I mean, I'd probably do it. I hope I think Philip would too. So, um, the and I'll never forget too. Like I said, it's been a while since I was in the seats with any of you guys. Really, Lance a few times, but uh, once the game, once I finally got to that point, and I again, I know Dell was a little more confident. Um, I was still like counting the points and making sure we got a two or three score lead the whole time. And until, until the Ojabo sack, um, that was the moment when everyone, the entire stadium, just everybody released and all that energy just, and Dell was like hugging me, kissing me on the cheek. And and we're all joking around. Like we're in, again, we're in the second row. And we're like, are we going to storm the field? And like, heck yeah, we're going to storm the field. And honestly, it got to the point where we wouldn't have had a choice. Like everyone behind us was storming the field, so we we were going regardless. But um, yeah, one of the coolest moments. You storming the field? I said no, and he's like, "You better because everybody else is is gonna do it." I said, <laughs> oh, "Okay." So. Um, all the years in those seats, I'd only been on the field one other time, and it was it was in my opinion, it was kind of a lame field storm. It was when we beat Ohio State probably you know 10 years ago when Denard was the quarterback and it was a game where it was very I mean we beat them it was the one year that they had fickle at coach and the interim and they had a down year and we were pretty good that year but even that game we kicked a lot of field goals and, and we barely kind of scraped by and I think everyone just stormed the field just because you know we finally beat Ohio State but it was it was kind of a slow get down the field hang out hey we're down here this this one was different this was uh I'll never forget running, made it to the 50, and at some point after about you know 30 seconds to a minute, I'm thinking, okay, I got to get out of this pile to try to find my brother and my friends. And the pile was the entire field from goal line to goal line. Um, I never really, until I saw the videos after the fact, I couldn't believe how many people were on the field and, and just that sea of people. So, um the atmosphere in the stadium in that moment, it, it took me right back to uh, 
the Michigan Notre Dame night game um, with the Roundtree and Denard game and just absolute like you know <laughs> just one of those where the, the stadium was pumping the music and no one wanted to leave so truly an awesome experience one that I'll never forget yeah, nobody wanted to leave, that's for sure. Um, I'd say in most games, you, you try to stay a little bit more reserved, and, and that one was just a lot of jumping up and down and just really having a good time because it's like, we're really going to do it. We're really going to do this. <laughs> and and it was like, are we really going to do this? And then <laughs> Ohio State would punch back, and we'd punch right back again, and like we're really gonna do this, and, and that's 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 what the whole game felt like to me is, is just it's really gonna happen, and Ohio State always hung around enough, to, like Ryan said that you felt like the other shoe could drop, but not enough to take away that we're really gonna do this feeling, and the whole stadium felt that way, and just just the sheer enjoyment everybody smiling and it was like a concert atmosphere just just so much happiness uh it's not even a sign uh, like relief it was just happiness everybody is so happy i think i think and i mean again the whole season it's kind of a testament to what we overcame as a team after the michigan state game and the penn state game and then i think one key game that we obviously kind of gets lost in the shuffle um the week before Ohio State, between Penn State and Ohio State, um, we went to Maryland and just beat the brakes off them. And I, I think between getting over that hump against Penn State and kind of being like, okay, hey, we're for real, we can do this. Um, and then just, again, what we did to Maryland, I think we were, we were clicking on all cylinders and – Again, as a fan, it's still tough. You still, still those nerves. But uh, hindsight, again, you, you look at that and you're like, well, maybe you could have seen that happening. But Hassan Haskins, um, just completely, that's the definition of putting the team on his back. And then I'll really, really miss getting to watch uh, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo every play because, man, they, uh, they dominated that game as well. Absolutely. So thanks, Ryan Adele. It's awesome to hear your memories of being at the game. You guys had a much better time being at the stadium than I did watching on television. So Clint, you mentioned previously the 2018 game in Columbus, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we all remember Michigan ended up getting thumped 62 to 39. It's not what we expected coming in. It's not what, you know, not many people expected that, right? Definitely not us. And that's the game I remember. Um, listen, I don't like Ohio State, but playing in Ohio Stadium and being there, it's a pantheon of college football. Like it's really hard to not be impressed, right? And every time I go there, I I, I catch my breath and I'm like, wow, this is a this is a place, right? This is a scene. So I walk down and the Michigan bus is letting out, and. You know, I'm walking across the field, and I'm like, wow, this place, I'm still wide-eyed, right? Because it's still amazing to be there. And I saw the players come off the field, and they had the same look. And I remember texting you saying, you know, 
they're not supposed to be impressed by this like that, right? And mm-hmm. it was kind of like a bad omen. So when you talk about this game, that's kind of that's how Ohio State looked to me, right? And you're wondering, okay, do I, am I seeing it or am I wanting to see it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you go you head into halftime, and Michigan was winning fourteen to thirteen, but it felt like more. It felt like and it and you know we talk a lot about flow of the game, and it was like, wow, that was the biggest one point lead, right? It just felt ginormous. Mm-hmm. And Michigan comes out two touchdowns in the third quarter, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you know, wins 42 to 27, but it felt bigger. And, you know, Haskins comes out for 169 yards and it's just, everything seemed to be, um, you know, everything came together, right? The cosmic tumblers that, you know, there had always been something in the previous meetings that had gone against Michigan. Um, and in this, they answered, they answered the bell. And again, it was amazing to watch and, you know, really happy for the people who were there. And, um, in my soul, I know that more wins are ahead and I look forward to them. And, um, again, I just, you know, try to see the good in it, try to enjoy, you know, for the people who were there, what we were seeing. And, and again, you know, I thought it was really cool, you know, what Hutchinson said after the game. And when we talked to you Tuesday, you talked about visualizing the outcome of the game. What did you visualize, and how close was this to what you pictured? Um, I mean, this was it right here. Um, visualizing, storming the field. I wanted the goalposts to go down, but I don't think they, they're down. <laughs> but, um, you know, all of that, you know, just crying, you know, just, you know, we, we did it, and, um, you know, that's something that I've been thinking about for years now. All right, uh, towards the middle right there, Brendan. Aiden, you said earlier this week that the reason you came back to Michigan was to beat Ohio State. How long have you been sort of drilling this into your teammates and emphasizing to them how important this rivalry is to you? You know, I, I told you guys um, at the Big Ten Media Day that we were emphasizing this game more, and, um, you know, everyone, everyone seemed to have a lot of questions about that in terms of how we were doing it. And I told you to trust me. We were doing it. And, um, you know, I mean, you go out there, you see how we played in that dominant fashion. Um, there you go. It, it's, it's easy to kind of dismiss that, right? Like, well, of course he's going to say that. You know, these guys have been saying things like this all year, right? Mm-hmm. They were putting in the work. You know, there was Harbaugh's quote about that um, Hutchinson was treating the weight room like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Right. And, you know, the Senate can say, well, yeah, he was doing that to to up his stock for the NFL. But you know what? He could have left last year. He could have left the previous year. And, you know, he said all throughout he was here to help reset the culture. And the way you do that at Michigan is you beat Ohio State and you do it at home and you do it convincingly. And and they did that. Harbaugh had some great quotes after the game. Coach Moore has done a tremendous job coaching that group. Um, I, I told Coach I got a I got a great text from from John Madden, and John Madden said that uh, you know, it's as as good as an offensive line as uh, performance as he's seen in a football game. And I texted that to Sharon and said, "Keep that on your phone forever." 
And, you know, that's really impactful because, you know, John Madden passed away um, not, you know, pretty soon thereafter. So that's a, a really high compliment. And, you know, I also like that uh, he took a shot at, at Ryan Day. But what about this opponent and things that they have done in the past, things that have been said, all that has gone on in this rivalry? How much did that push you guys today in the final game? What did? I mean, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, I know the probably things you're thinking of are the same as I'm thinking of, but, I mean, let's move on with humble hearts, take the high road, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely stuff that, you know, people said that spurred us on even more. Sure. Sometimes people that are standing on third base think they hit a triple, you know, but they didn't. And, you know, uh, that people standing on third base is one of my favorite quotes, okay? Um, I use that often, right, when the circumstance calls for it. So definitely a shot. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting coming from somebody like Harbaugh, who has been a part of the rivalry, both as a player and as a coach. And, you know, I like it because it's drawing the distinction, right? Um, mm -hmm. Listen, Ryan Day's had success, there's no doubt. But he's also standing on, you know, the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. And on the Michigan side, Harbaugh is one of those people who helped build the program. You know, he did it as a player, and, you know, he is hopefully um, bringing Michigan back on an equal footing and hopefully surpassing Ohio State. So definitely the kind of you know, I love how um, Harbaugh talked about Bowen Woody before the game and also uh, took a shot across the bow at, at Ryan Day after. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it it's another um, iconic moment in the, the history of the rivalry that'll come out of this game. You know, the, the, the thing that we've gone back to in, in bad moments and now in, in positive moments is that the big difference in the past when Michigan came up short and what we saw in this 21 season were the key players for Michigan on both sides of the ball stepping up in big moments, right? High leverage situations. That's kind of a baseball term for the late innings, but high leverage situations, you need your best players to step up and make plays. There's going to be opportunities, right? But, but that, High-energy players find the ball. The ball finds high-energy players. These are things that Harbaugh has has circled back to um, many times. And Hutchinson uh, has three sacks in this game, breaks his dad's uh, single-season sack record, which was a really cool moment. Ojabo, you know, probably made himself a, a lot of money in this game, you know, just to be, you know, uh, pushed into the conversation as a first-round draft pick. And really putting the icing on the cake for his season. Josh Ross makes a tackle in the third quarter just after halftime on a third down on a run up the middle. That when it happened, I think that was the moment, you know, thinking back and 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 that's the moment that, that I, I I needed just sitting there next to me <laughs> more than any. Right. I was like, that Josh Ross just made the play of his career. He will remember that moment right there, that tackle in the third quarter just after halftime, first time Ohio State's got the ball in the second half, 
huge third down stop. Josh Ross will see that play unfold in front of him for the rest of his life. And, and those kind of moments are really, really cool. And seeing it happen from that vantage point and then seeing it play out again when you watch it uh, recorded on TV, um, it, it, that moment gives me goosebumps almost as much as any of the others, right, is, is Josh Ross stepping up as a leader on this team and, and leading by example seeing what he meant to that defense in the Rutgers game early in the season when he wasn't there for him to have that moment against, uh, against Ohio state is just huge. You know, he earned it. He put a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, proverbially, um, into that program. And he earned that moment. Hutchinson earned that moment on the, on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line was absolutely dominant. Absolutely dominant. Hutchinson dominated on the outside on defense. Ojabo dominated on the outside on defense. But on offense, that offensive line absolutely paved the Ohio State Buckeyes. Michigan had a 72% success rate, right, which is one of our five factors that we that we come back to based on, you know, Bill Connolly's SP-plus analysis. Success rate is, you know, did you – Stay on schedule, right? Did you get half the yardage that you need on first down, right? Were you two-thirds of the way there on second down? Did you pick it up on third down, right? 72%. I could only, since I've been tracking the statistics in 2016, I could only find one other game that's even in that conversation with that kind of success rate. The first game of 2016 against Hawaii was 73% success rate. No other game even comes close to an offensive performance to what we saw against Ohio State in 2021, right? We're talking Michigan made the Ohio State Buckeyes look like the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. That is what happened in November of 2021. It was an absolutely masterful performance. And, again, everybody that was involved – from the coaching staff, Josh Gaddis putting together that game plan throughout the season, the defensive staff, and Mike McDonald battling one of the most talented receiving cores that we'll ever see. Some of the catches that the Ohio State receivers make in this game are ridiculous. If they didn't make these outstanding plays, then Michigan really you know, runs away with it. But Ohio State played out of their mind on offense and could only scrape out 27 points. So just all phases of the game, Jay Harbaugh and special teams were, it was an absolute masterclass. It's a, you know, it's, it's a video, (laughs) it's a video that should get chopped up and, and really analyzed for, for really running circles around the coaching staff over there. And Ohio state responded immediately in their off season, immediately. That defensive staff got shown the door immediately, and they uh, they knew they knew that uh, they had been taken to the woodshed and embarrassed, plain and simple. So, um, it's finally, finally, nice to be on the other end of of one of those performances, and uh, it consider myself very, very lucky and grateful to uh, to have been there to see it and to to kind of bask in the reflected glory of what that coaching staff and the, and the players accomplished and, and to see it come to fruition at the end of the season, the way that it should be was awesome. 
and I think that's one of the things that I'm not sure the average fan of, of which, listen, I, I, I'm still at my heart a fan, right? But one of the things that I really appreciate, especially as I get older, is you get to know these players, okay? You talk to them, you, you see them in press conferences, you get to kind of see them as people. And over this incredibly bad run of losing to Ohio State, you would just see that year after year, it, it took a toll. And, and I always, you know, remind people that as much as they will criticize players after a loss, nobody cares more than the coaches and players. Nobody on this planet, okay? And you would see after, you know, another disappointing loss to Ohio State, the toll that it would take. So to see these guys having gone through, you know, a horrible COVID season, right, where – you know, there were questions, are the wheels falling off this program, right? Um, is, is Jim Harbaugh the right guy? Um, which players are going to come back? For them to not only come back and just elevate their game in every way, but to have this, you know, exclamation point at home in front of a national, you know, television audience and in front in front of a very appreciative crowd. Um, you know, it's it's everything that college football should be about. You know, you have the snow, you have the the colder weather, you have the rivalry, and it's everything that you would like to see. And, of course, from our perspective, we saw a Michigan win. So just, just outstanding. Um, you know, it, it will it will reverberate through the ages and definitely one of – um, you know, we talk about, you know, over the last couple of seasons, we talk about where was Jim Harbaugh's signature win, okay? This was it. This was it. There's none bigger than this. And, you know, the thing that I really am interested in is, you know, I believe that this is when we see the program elevate itself, pivot to the next level, I guess the last piece that I would add about Ohio State, um, both in the short term in the moment and then in the uh, in the medium term here going forward, all the pressure has been on the Ohio State Buckeyes in that game because they had won so many games in a row in the rivalry. Nobody wanted to be the first team that didn't get the gold pants down there in Columbus, right? And, and you could see in that second half, um, you could see them tighten up. You could see them start to wonder what's going on. Uh-oh. And um, they didn't really know how to respond to that particular type of adversity. It's just not the type of pressure that Michigan has put on the, the, the Buckeyes in so long that none of those players on the roster had, had really felt that. The last time that Ohio State really even had to sweat a Michigan game was 2017. You know, and, and maybe some of those guys were, were freshmen at the time. So really putting the pressure on those players and coaches in the moment, I think they showed a little bit of, uh, you know, they buckled a little bit. And then in the long term or the medium term, on the, you know, on the piggybacking on what Harbaugh said about standing on third base, you know, that fan base now has a little bit of doubt 
about their their coaching staff, right? The, they had taken it for granted a little bit that they were a notch above uh, Michigan as a program, and they have to now wonder, <laughs> right, um, for as, as much as they reveled in the dominance that uh, Jim Trestle had and then Urban Meyer had, you know, Ryan Day is one and one against Jim Harbaugh. They've got the same, the same record in the rivalry. Um, the 2020 game being canceled certainly um, plays into that, right? Ohio State was a ridiculously good team, and Michigan was having one of their worst seasons in history. So the record being one and one is, is somewhat of an anomaly. But of the two games that have been played in 2019 and 2021, um, there's some doubt there on whether Ryan Day has the right uh, pieces in place uh, on the staff and has the right uh, framework, the right schemes to uh, to really combat what Harbaugh is bringing um, with the Wolverines. You know, offensively and defensively, um, I think the Buckeyes are on their back foot a little bit, and I, I expect them to come out you know, like uh, like an animal that's been cornered for sure in 2022. But I think for sure in the fan base, I, you can sense that uh, they've got a few question marks that they're not very comfortable with, and uh, that's a good feeling for me. And that's I I end every conversation with a Buckeye somehow with a question, just to, just to make them wonder. You know, are they sure? Are they sure that that isn't what's going to be like going forward? Right. And and I know it very well. Right. I, I've got some of those same question marks about uh, Michigan State and what Mel Tucker's doing. He bothers me a lot. So I I, I try to put a little bit of that pressure and, and wonder and discomfort uh, on the Buckeyes that I interact with. So for as long as Jim Harbaugh has been here. Every time Michigan would play Ohio State and up until this year, Michigan would lose. The week after, the people that I interact with who are Ohio State fans, who are generally very good people and very good-natured, every year Michigan would lose, and the question would be, so uh, you guys going to get rid of Jim Harbaugh? And it was very, very gratifying this year that the Monday after the Michigan-Ohio State game, I just happened to call one of the people that I interact with you know, just randomly, right? Mm. You know, eye roll there, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the first thing the person said is, you know, I don't know if Ryan Day is the guy for us. And I just yep. laughed because mm-hmm. that's exactly the kind of doubt, the kind of question that, you know, everything's rolling. And then, you know, they're joking about hanging 100 on Michigan, you know, the COVID season. And then you get smacked in the face, right? And, you know, rivalry is game on. And I think that's that's the best thing for college football. And, it, and again, it's really good for Michigan. But it's really nice to be on the winning side of of this because it's been far too long. Or it had been mm-hmm. far too long. Mm-hmm. This was posted by MI Go Blue on our discussion forum on umgoblue.com. November 27th, 2021. The day Ohio came to bury Michigan. All wrapped in maize and blue, 
The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, it was someone else inside. All the Buckeyes came to bury the Wolverines, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. 22 Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray. And as the band played the victors, they laid the Buckeyes straight away. So, Michigan, on the way to Indianapolis. And I got to tell you, Clint, when the Big Ten first announced that they were going to have the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis, as much as Indianapolis is great, you know, no disrespect to the good people of Indianapolis, but I got to tell you, even for me, Indianapolis is flyover country, okay? I thought, wow, we're going to get really tired of going to Indianapolis. Well, here we are, years in, and and I was so excited to go to Indianapolis. So, mm. you know, that's that's kind of a comment on where Michigan football has been. Um, so, again, super excited to go to Indianapolis, um, super excited to see Iowa. I thought Michigan matched up pretty well. Um and, you know, looking at, um, you know, I'll tell you, my concern heading into this game was you, you can't be happy just to be there, right? And there was a certain sense that, man, on paper, Michigan should really dominate Iowa. But I did have a little bit of a concern heading in that there was going to be a possibly just happy to be there right what were your thoughts heading into this game well i was glad it was iowa um because they're just so bad offensively as a program in in the recent history right kirk ferentz hires his son brian ferentz as the offensive coordinator and they've lost any sense of meritocracy on offense there it's been um, it's been a slog for at least the last three seasons and, and maybe you know the last six seasons in Iowa. Now they've always been relatively conservative. Uh, Kirk Ferentz kind of um, cut from the same cloth as, uh, as Lloyd Carr. Um, so definitely m- more of an old school conservative coach, uh, especially in this era of analytics and uh, really pushing um, you know fourth down decisions and and going for two point conversions and all of the the hyper aggressive trends that we see Kirk Ferentz is is certainly um, he has no problem <laughs> punting the ball on fourth and one from the uh, plus side of the field for example so um, they're less scary because of that because of Kirk Ferentz's conservative makeup and um, and Brian Ferentz's uh, inability as an offensive coordinator, in, in my opinion. And uh, their quarterbacks, they had a quarterback controversy going into the Big Ten championship game, right? It was uh, the main questions that uh, Kirk Ferentz was uh, fielding in the uh, pregame press conferences were about the who was going to start a quarterback because they had struggled. Both, um, you know, both, both guys had struggled, so... I was glad to see that it was Iowa, but that defense is really, really scary, and they create a lot of turnovers, right? And and the reason that they could have such a poor offensive um, program and still end up in the uh, the Big Ten title game is because the defense so opportunistic and, and created a lot of turnovers and just did not give up 
big plays. Um, so I, I thought that there was a, a significant edge for Michigan, but you had to avoid kind of stepping in the bear trap and, and turning over, turning the ball over, uh, especially early on. And um, Michigan just has this insane sequence in the first quarter where Blake Corum uh, pops a long run, right? J.J. McCarthy had handed off on, on an option play and ends up sprinting past the defenders and sprint, sprinting past Blake Corum uh, to get out there and lead block. I saw a hole. I saw the corner try to crash down. Uh, I hit him with a jump cut. And then uh, it was green grass. And I saw J.J. come by me. And I slowed down, slowed down for him so he get in front of me. I think he took out like two people and then uh, it was over from that, you know. It was a great play by J.J. That was awesome. I ain't never seen a quarterback do something like that. That kind of lightning strike kind of gets it going and then the very next play that Michigan's got the ball is a, is a double pass and, and Donovan Edwards throws one of the most beautiful passes of the entire season <laughs> to Roman Wilson. Yeah, um, we... Uh... You know, we knew, uh, first of all, Donovan Edwards, we had that play that was ready for prime time. It's been ready for prime time for about seven weeks. First put it in uh, before he got, before he hurt his ankle. And then when he came back, started uh, greasing it up again and, and knew that that one was going to work. We had, it, we had it planned early. As soon as we got in the left hash after the fourth play, we were going to run that. And, uh, and he's never missed on that throw. Uh, sometimes he throws it off his left, his right foot. Uh, he's always on the move, running when he throws it, and every time it's a dime. Uh, and Roman did a great job tracking it down. And he drops dimes, and I mean, uh, <laughs> I was shocked. He's, he hasn't thrown a ball like that in practice. Let me tell you, or else I might be second string. But <laughs> but yeah, that was. I mean, he's just an extremely athletic player, and you know he contributes it off the offense in his unique way and yeah he's a gamer I guess with the with the arm <laughs> and he can pass <laughs> who's who's wide open and, and Michigan puts up 14 points in like uh you know in the span of two plays in the first quarter and 14 points by might as well uh have been 180 points right like I said it just did not feel like Iowa could ever ever come back from multiple scores down so when Michigan played with the lead um the the whole phase of the game then kind of turned into an Iowa slog right where exactly what they wanted from that point forward where I think they traded punts back and forth um something like seven or eight straight possessions and um Iowa's punter is really good uh Michigan punted the ball really well that day so it felt like Michigan was in the shadow of their own goalpost almost the entire second quarter and into the third quarter. So um, it, it, it kind of had a, a boring feel through the middle there. You're just kind of sitting on this 14 to three lead for a very long time. And then eventually Michigan's uh, offensive line does end up wearing down the defensive front of Iowa. And they, they put up 21 points in the, in the fourth quarter and start running away with it. So, um, the, the just the whole feel of the game felt like you needed to get off to a good start because Iowa can can kind of act like a boa constrictor, right, and get a small lead and then really choke you to death. 
and win a close game. So once Michigan um, pulled out a couple real big plays, one was just a standard, you know, option play that uh, J.J. McCarthy had been running the whole second half of the year, and then the, the beautiful double pass play with Donovan Edwards, um, those moments, it, it, it felt over at that moment, and Iowa battled and battled for another, you know, through the third quarter, but um, that offense from, from Iowa never felt like they were going to be able to put up points in bunches. And, you know, the first quarter for Iowa was their best. They gained 121 yards. The The rest of their yards by quarter, second quarter, 40 yards, third quarter, 76 yards, fourth quarter, 42 yards, right? So it, it just – they – they never had a chance once they had given up those two really electric plays in the first quarter. So my concern heading into the game is that I have very negative memories of Iowa. Okay. And you know, in the, in the seventies, right. Um, Purdue had the nickname of the spoiler makers, right? Well, for mm-hmm. me in the history of my Michigan fandom, Iowa has ruined many things for me. Okay. Going back to my very first game at Michigan Stadium in 1981, I was so excited, and Michigan lost 9-7. Anthony Carter scored a touchdown, but in a a replay of what happened many times during the 70s, um, Michigan did not have a a classic field goal kicker, and Michigan lost 9-7. So my very first memory at the big house is a loss to Iowa. So, and, and like I said, I, I can go back and so heading into this game, I'm like, Oh, it's Iowa. Oh man. Just, I hope they don't ruin this for me. And as you said, um, Michigan just came out and just, and just rolled. And, you know, you look at the score and again, you don't want to, um, you don't want to denigrate the effort of Iowa, right? They came out and they just got steamrolled by Michigan, but forty-two to three. Um, you know what I liked about this is that Michigan kept their foot on the pedal, right? They didn't, you know, pull back. And again, not to embarrass Iowa, but to kind of, you know, leave no doubt. And it was, you know, it was amazing to see. Um, you know, one of my favorite memories. Um, you know, not only being at the game, you know, and being at the uh, the Big Ten championship um, for the first time since you know the Big Ten split into divisions, but the the utter joy of the players, the joy of the Michigan fans who were there. Um, you know, it's one of the things when you watch the game on TV. You know, the game ends; they may show the the trophy ceremony, and then they cut away, right? What was really just amazing to see was, um, you know, the Iowa fans left, the Michigan fans descended into the lower bowl, and as the Michigan players went into the locker room and grabbed their championship T-shirts and and their and their hats, and one of the things that um, surprised me and I, I didn't quite understand it at first is, as the game clock was running down some of the players kind of snuck in and I mean snuck, they ran into the, into the locker room. Right. And I'm like, what are they doing? They were going and getting their phones. Right. So what was one of the the really funny things is um, Ronnie Bell, 
you know, looking pretty fast, sprints into the locker room and sprints right out with his phone and, you know, um, had the opportunity to sit there at the edge of the tunnel and watch the Michigan players not only celebrate on the field, not only celebrate with the fans and their family, but, you know, come down the tunnel and sign autographs and take selfies with fans in the stands. And just the the joy, the the weight of so many years lifting off of of the program. After the postgame celebration and the awarding of the Big Ten Championship trophy, Jim Harbaugh had nothing but praise for his team. And the other thing, too, can I just add one thing? Absolutely. Um, on top of being great football players, uh, they're even better people. Uh, and I've always felt that uh, I've drawn the long straw here in uh, being able to coach them. They're a joy to coach. Uh, they've been raised great uh, by their parents. So I'm, I'm not taking any part of that credit. Uh, but I mean, there's been zero distractions um, in, in Schembechler Hall, off the field. Uh, and that's, that's going on you know, three or four years now of, uh, of no off-field incidents, just, um, you know, just guys that are you know, of high character, great football players, even better people. It's just the way they approach it. It's, they give it their best every day. Um, and then you just, just that simple thing. And nobody, nobody ever thinks it's that simple, but it's, it's that simple. There's a thousand other little things that go into it, but um, when you're around a group of guys and you watch them, uh, making sure that they give it their best, their very best, you know, every single day. Um, and, and, and Aiden did lead that. I mean, that was, that was uh, you know, from, from January, you could see, uh, you know, when he went into the weight coaches and said, you know, I'm coming back, and every time I step into this weight room, make sure you ring me out. Get everything out of me. And uh, you, know, you could tell he was hungry, and, um, and the weight coach said, yeah, this can be an all-you-can-eat buffet in here. And, uh, and he ate it up. And that, that became contagious, uh, and, uh, and others followed. But, yeah, just this, this is who they are. They give it their very best every day. And part of the part of the beauty of when you give it your very best, then you're proud of whatever you accomplish. And, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome that, that you accomplished the championship, but that's the beautiful thing about giving it your very best. You know, whatever you do accomplish, uh, you know, you feel good about. You know, and again, happy for me as a fan, happy to be able to cover a game like that, but so happy for the guys who just sweat and work all year and, you know, what we, what a lot of people don't, you know, see is that, you know, they're, they're training all year. Okay. We see the games, but they, you know, they're in the weight room and, and to see it pay off, uh, in, in such a public manner. And, uh, again, just, just a great game. Amazing to see happy for them. And wow, just a, a complete domination of Iowa. And, you know, I felt a little bit for their fans because man, uh, you know, I've made the trek to Iowa. I, as I've said many times, I'm never running for president because I'm never going back. That is a trip that was not real fun to go. Um, glad I've seen the stadium, glad I've experienced it. But I can imagine them driving all the way to Indianapolis and 
being out of the game for all intents and purposes in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, I've seen that a very few, a very few times on the Michigan side. And, and I know it's not fun. Yeah. It, there was a sense of, of, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> that you picked up from the Iowa crowd, um, even on the, on the TV broadcast. Um, and, and this game for me, it somehow you know it reminded me a game that I did I never saw live right was the uh, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team beating the Soviets right and and getting this you know just absolutely slaying the dragon and and, and setting a goal for your entire season your your whole existence of that team was built around beating the Soviets and, and obviously the Buckeyes become the uh, the analog for for the soviets in in, in that uh comparison but you beat them it's not for the championship you know to get the actual trophy to get the gold medal you know you got to win in the finals <laughs> you got to go win the title game so this had a, a very similar feeling um to that scenario where the the one of the biggest questions was was Michigan going to be able to stay focused, right? Very similar to the possible trap game in College Park uh, against Maryland before the Ohio State game. Would they stay focused? You know, check, check mark. They they did. They certainly did stay focused and and performed well. And then, can they get back up emotionally after the celebration of beating Ohio State in Ann Arbor and and partying late into the night with uh, the rest of the Michigan faithful. And again, checkmark, they, they got off to a great start in this game and, and never looked sluggish. Even when, like I said, Iowa was kind of winning the punt battle and, and choking the life out of Michigan in the, in the middle of the game, you know, it was still a two score game and, and Iowa was never threatening. So I thought, you know, just, one of the most iconic sporting events of of the 20th century that uh, that hockey game from 1980 this whole season and then that dynamic at the end of yeah you slayed the dragon but you you better go finish the job or that would be a ridiculous letdown to uh, to not win a title after having finally beaten uh, Ohio State the week before so it was, you know, okay, so they win the Big Ten Championship. And after the game, you know, um, McNamara, you know, acknowledges kind of, you know, that Michigan had had, had a chip on their shoulder. You know, it's just we're just a, just such a great group of guys who just care about each other. And, you know, it's a, we've really had the mentality of Michigan versus everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I just, I just don't know what much to say other than I love these dudes, like, really. Um, well, we didn't find out the exact statistic till this week. <laughs> but, yeah, 2% for the last week. We thought about 2% for the last week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we knew that this team, guys on this team, this team is just, you know, they, we've gone under some scrutiny. We know that. And, you know, you just, you had such a um, a complete game, okay? You had, you know, the, the Edwards pass, 
You had, you know, um, you know, the JJ blocking on the play. Um, just all the pieces came together, and you know, sorry for Iowa, you know, better luck next year. But for Michigan, it really was a, you know, an important, emphatic end of the season because, like you said, you beat Ohio State and you lose to Iowa, man, that would be hugely disappointing. Aiden Hutchinson acknowledged the challenge that the team faced. Oh, man, we uh, we defied all expectations. Um, nobody thought we could do this. Nobody thought we could ever do this, especially not this season. And um, man, we did it, and uh, we did it in a very dominant fashion. Uh, I really think it was a consistent belief, really from week from week one. You know, we saw what we were about against Western Michigan, and I knew we had something special off the off the jump. So. Um, you know, really the whole time I knew we had something special and, you know, just the way we built the team, the foundation, the high energy throughout the whole offseason. I mean, I mean, that doesn't amount to wins, but, you know, it amounts to the culture and, and the event and, and the investment of the guys on the team. That was obviously one of our goals going into the season. But, you know, there's no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees that you're going to win anything. Um, but, uh, you know, as we got closer and closer to that Ohio State game, you know, I mean that was the, that was the uh, that was the big test for us, I think. And um, I think when we beat them, that we knew, you know, we can. We're, we're a really good football team. And, and you know, as great as beating Ohio State is, you know, that's not the mission, right? The you're on a season-long mission, and that is part of the boxes you need to check. But boy, you you sure don't want to drop the ball after that. And Andrew Vistardis summed it up best. So. Uh, Beginning of the year, the, the odds, I don't know, whatever it was, it's 2% likely we'd win the Big Ten Championship. That was uh, preseason predictions. I don't know how it works out, but, you know, we believe in each other. We believe in ourselves, but, you know, there's always that little external motivation. So, uh, you, know, you know, internally motivated, bringing each guy along, but sometimes just some of the stuff that's out there, you just take it and ride with it and uh, fuel the fire. So... That's what that was from. Top-down coaches and players, leadership amongst each other, knowing that you know we couldn't ride that uh, that high from last week and you know win that game, but let them beat us this game. You know everyone was dedicated, fully focused on Iowa, and we had one job to do, and that was to come out here and execute and win this game. And you know the message last night, all the the, the pressure, like I don't know if it was pressure, just this game meant a lot for this program, these this team, this family, these fans, everyone that has had hands on this thing. Just oh, always love this team, love this program, always wanted to be a part of it. And just coming in at a time where energy was high like that, where we fully believed that, you know, at some point or another during our legacy, something would happen, something would put Michigan back on top. And um, I think just every guy that's coming after I've been here, because I'm the old head, <laughs> apparently, but every guy that's coming here after I got here has just bought into that and done everything they could to make that happen and gosh darn it I'm just so excited to have people around me that care love and each other and just put it all on the line for each other because I mean that's just that's what it's all about I mean shoot I've I've been a Michigan fan since I was little you know? next in episode 7 of the umgoblue.com 2021 Michigan football spectacular Jim Harbaugh talks about his love of being the head coach of Michigan as the Wolverines head 
into their very first college football playoff berth. I would do this job for free. Um, you know, just love it. Just uh, really, really honored to be the coach here. And uh, it's always been a big team effort. I mean, that's the uh, thing that I learned as a player here. I mean, started by Bo Schembechler. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's all about the team, the team, the team, the team. Subscribe now to get this episode as soon as it drops. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.